Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and we have a special Monday edition of the show thanks to the NHL Draft on a Wednesday this year. So the first round will be Wednesday night, and we have our annual NHL Draft preview show. We have two excellent guests again, two returning guests to the show, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But the New York Rangers have five selections in this year's draft. They actually only own two of them from their own. Everyone else is from another team. But um, I always find it interesting to see where these picks have come from or where they've gone. Uh, so the Rangers, actually, they'll be picking the first round, 23rd overall. That is their own pick. Uh, they also trade another first-round pick away uh, to the Dow- sorry to the um, St. Louis Blues in the Tarasenko trade. And then their second-round pick was actually sent to Chicago in the Patrick Kane trade. They acquired the 91st overall picks. They'll be picking 91st in the third round in the Alexander Gorgiev trade from the Avalanche. Uh, their uh, their third round pick was traded to Philadelphia last year uh, for Justin Braun at the trade deadline. Their fourth round pick was traded to Vancouver for Tyler Mott uh, from two years ago in that two year in that trade. Uh, they have a fifth round pick, which is the 152nd pick overall, which they acquired from Edmonton in the Jaden Gruby trade, which they made a couple weeks ago. Their fifth round pick was sent to the Winnipeg Jets for Andrew Kopp in that deal. But they received a six-round pick back in that same deal, so they'll be picking 178th overall with the Jets pick, and then they have their own pick at 183rd overall. So their seventh-round pick was also uh, traded for Tyler Mott this year to the Senators in that deal with Julian Gauthier to bring Tyler Mott back to the Rangers. So all in all, the Rangers have five selections this year's draft. The first round, 23rd overall. The third round, 91st overall. The fifth round, the 152nd overall, the 6th round, 178th overall, and then the 6th round, 183rd overall. So five picks, uh, only two in the, in the first three rounds, and then five and then two 6th round picks. So, um, you know, not in a draft where I think this is one of the better classes in quite a while. The Rangers don't have too many top selections, so they really have to hit on that 1st round pick, and they really have to find a guy in the 3rd round that can contribute to the NHL level too. Uh, so it's, a, it's an important draft. It's a big pick. The The Rangers have been decimated in their farm system, either by trading or players coming up to the system and maybe not panning out. Maybe, you know, we saw, uh, like I said, Niels Lundqvist, one of his trade, one of his um, draft picks from the trade was sent away. Vitaly Kratzoff's been traded away. Uh, you know, all these young guys, is, some of them just didn't pan out. And, you know, some young kids who maybe just – haven't taken that next step like a Matthew Robertson down in Hartford. Um, now there's the Keandre Millers and the Brain Schneiders that have taken the next step um, and, and have played well at the NHL level. So the Rangers have drafted up and down the board, but the 23rd pick overall, really important. And um, this is only the second time the Rangers are picking 23rd overall. You have to go back to 1969 when they picked Burt Wilson. I'm sure everyone remembers that in the first round. He only played 66 games for the Rangers. Um, but when the Rangers actually look back at their first round picks, other than um, Alex Sharpanov, who... They died tragically on the um, on the bench when he was what was it, 18 or 19 years old over in Russia, which I'm sure some Ranger fans will remember um, when he passed away. But other than him, you have to go back to 2000, and obviously Brent Othman, who's just taken 2021. You have to go back to Al Montoya in 2004 as the last Rangers first round pick not to suit up for the Rangers. So 
Uh, most of the first round picks do see time in Rangers jersey. It might not be the longest time in Rangers jersey, the most successful time in a Rangers jersey, but they do make it to the NHL level. Uh, so there's a pretty good chance whoever the Rangers take uh, 23rd overall will eventually see the ice in a Rangers jersey. You know, recent guys like Schneider, Lafreniere, Kako, Niels Lundqvist even still action with the Rangers. You know, Keandre Miller's obviously still there, playing very well, needs a new contract. You know, Kratzoff played sparingly. Heedle's obviously turned into a very good player for them. Even go back to Leas Anderson, obviously he saw some time there, but uh, even Dylan McElroy saw a time at the NHL level. So, um, other than Sharapanov, you know, you guys at Lori Korpakowski in 2004 saw a time with them. And, uh, you know, you go back to Montoya in 04 and Hugh, Hugh Yesman in 03, both didn't make it to the Rangers level. And, uh, but the most likely we'll see this draft pick come in. And to talk about that, we brought back two of our, two of our favorite draft analysts. They are fantastic. For third year on the show, Adam Kilman, NHL.com draft expert, host of the draft class podcast in the NHL. Uh, does an unbelievable job, so we talked with Adam about his latest mock drafts and obviously who the Rangers can take there at 23rd that can really be a good fit for them. And also we bring back the creator of HockeyProspect.com and NHL Draft Consultant Byron Bader also returns to the show. He was with us last year as well. So two great returning guests to tell you everything you need to know about the NHL Draft. We go over, I think it's like 30 or 40-something prospects that the Rangers could take. We talk about first-round guys, we talk about late-round guys, third-round guys, who could be good fits for them, who's possible sleepers in this draft, anything you need to know. We cover all of our bases here. So um, that will be coming up right after we get a quick word from our sponsor over at InTheClutch.com. Listen, there's no place to go other than InTheClutch.com if you need your NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB apparel. They're the spot. They have throwback shirts. They have cool current shirt, player shirts, team shirts, uh, city shirts, anything you need to gear up for your next game, go there. When you do, use promo code BROADWAY to save 10% off on your purchase. So go to InTheClutch.com, use our code BROADWAY, and you save 10% on your purchase and get all the gear you need for your next sporting event, your next whatever you need in your life. Make sure you go check them out. They do amazing stuff. Go check out our Ranger gear there. And, uh, yeah, and gear up for next season for the Rangers. It's, it'll be here before you know it. Or if you're going on a natural financial draft, you want some Ranger gear to rep, go on in the clutch.com, buy our shirt, use the promo code, save 10% off. That's promo code Broadway at in the clutch.com. All right, he's back now for a third year in a row. Our resident NHL draft expert, your fund of NHL.com, Adam Kilman. Thanks so much for joining us again, buddy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. Um, so we were just talking about just joke around. Two years ago, you nailed the often pick on the podcast, on your mock draft. Huge doings for me. And uh, you know, really solidified this podcast as the Rangers draft podcast to find because of you. Well, I'm um, glad to I'm glad to help <laughs> you with that. And and listen, if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm happy with the way that pick's working. Hoffman had a really nice season in the Ontario League. Looks like, you know, he's gonna have a chance at worst to be an American League guy who's developing towards being eventually an NHL player, a volume scorer, a nice strong power forward type. Like the way he's come along since they drafted him. Now I know it's not your your last mock draft you'll do before the draft, but your latest one that you have, which is why I love mock drafts. You can put out seventeen of them before the draft as it gets <laughs> gets you going. If you hit on one, hey, go back to my May my May twenty first one. I hit it. Um, but David Enstrom, a center, six three from Sweden, 
I don't know anything about him. So tell me about this guy. Why is he a fit for the Rangers? Well, I, I think you just, he's a guy that big, strong center, six foot three and 185 pounds thereabouts, you know, skates well, you know, he's your traditional 200 foot Swedish player. He's going to help you in all three zones. He might not, you know, do things that, that bring you out of your seat, but he's a guy who's going to be reliable in all areas of the ice. And I think if I'm the New York Rangers, I'm looking at, you know, what I have now and, you know, projecting out three and four years center depth is a place that maybe they're a little bit shallow right now. So maybe a David Edstrom, you, you draft him and you let him allow him to develop in Sweden for another year or two, play world juniors, get experience that way. World championships have a significant role on those teams. And eventually in three years, he's ready to come over to North America, be a guy you can fit in your lineup in a, you know, top nine role somewhere. And I, I think you're going to get a good player out of that. All right. And then another Swedish center who I like, and I, I've seen him and watched his highlights is Otto Stenberg, who uh, might go a little before the Rangers pick, but in some mocks, he's around that 23 selection. Yeah. Stenberg's a guy who really popped for a lot of people at the world under 18s, had a mm-hmm. tremendous tournament there. But what really stands out, you, you know, the offensive skills are are obvious with the skating, the high end offensive talents, the, the, the hockey IQ. He's strong, you know, he's 5'11, 180 pounds, thereabouts. But, you know, he's stronger maybe than you might realize. He can take a hit to make the play. But what really stands out, he was the captain at the, at the Holinka tournament. He was the captain of the world under-18 team. I believe he was the captain of his Furlunda junior team. So there's a guy that, that he's a leader. He's a, he's a really good player, but he's also a leader. He has the respect of his teammates, the respect of his coaches. So, you know, you're looking at, as much as you're looking about bringing players into your locker room and bringing players onto your team, you also want to bring in good people. And Otto Stenberg, you know, from everything I've heard and read, is a good person who will make your locker room good, as well as he will make your bench and, and your on-ice experience good. You know, every year I fall in love with some USDP kid because the World Juniors and everything else. Last year was Lane Hudson, and I feel like that was a good guy to fall in love with. He, you know, he has had a great year this year. This year is Gabe Perot, and I, he started off, in that 20 range, I felt like he could maybe get to the Rangers. I don't think he can get to the Rangers now. I think he's more of a top 15 pick now. But this team needs some goal scoring, and I feel like he would be a perfect addition at right wing for them. Well, I think when you look at Gabriel Perot, he broke Austin Matthews' NTDP scoring record for a single season with 132 points, I believe. Had an outstanding world under 18s. He was one of the guys on probably the best line in all of junior hockey with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard. So that line was electric and he was a big part of it because he did a lot of the scoring. He did a lot of the playmaking, you know, the vision, the hands, you know, he doesn't have that breakaway game changing speed, but he sees the ice so well. He knows where to be positionally that he looks faster than he might be. His dad played in the NHL, Yannick Perot. His brother is an Anaheim Ducks prospect, Jacob Perot. So he, he understands the game. He understands how he's supposed to play, where he's supposed to be. And that's what makes him such a special player. Just that high, high, high hockey IQ. Now, my buddy, who's a big WHL fan, uh, gave me two names to look out for. And one guy I know because Riley uh, Korzak, Ranger, prospect player with him, is Braden Yeager. Uh, another guy who I don't know if he'll reach the Rangers or not, but I like his game a lot. Yeah, Yeager's a guy who's going to be probably in that 13 to 26 range. And there's a lot of guys who who could go in that spot because the 
the difference between some of these top forwards, because there are so many of them, is so fine that it really is a little bit in the eye of the beholder. You know, you could ask three scouts, watch five Braden Jaeger games, and you could get five distinct, uh, three distinctly different reports. You know, he, he's got the speed, he, he's got the shot, but the size is going to be an issue. He's five foot 10 and 160, 170 pounds. So he definitely needs to get stronger, definitely needs to put more weight on, but he's a puck hound. That's something that really stood out to me. He's patient. He's creative. He's a guy who who looks like he's going to be a really good NHL player if he can get strong enough to handle what it's going to be like playing at the next level. And the other guy uh, who I haven't really seen a lot of is Riley Height. Was it Height? 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 How do you Riley say Riley Height. Yes. Yeah, Riley Height. Yeah. Height. He said that that guy will run around the ice and hit anything that moves also has great hands, but on the smaller side. Well, for sure. And, and again, he's another guy that you know, moves the puck real well. He's he's because of the way he plays the the ferocity that he has in his game. He's going to be good in one-on-one battle. He's going to be good along the wall. He's a strong power forward type with some creative offensive elements to his game. Again, he's a guy that could be there in that range where the Rangers are picking, but you know, if a team really likes him, if a team, he's a guy that could go, you know, in the 15 to 16 range, he's a could he's a guy that could be there the beginning of the second round, even. So there, there's a lot of variation on what people think of Riley Height. So last year the Rangers took their second round pick, which was their first round pick, uh, Adam Sikora out of uh Slovakia. And uh I've followed up with a couple guys in Slovakia about him. And one guy that they said who's actually also in the WHL, Samuel Hanzik. Hanzik. Yeah. They said he's now, you know, the big name to watch, I guess, from the Slovakia side. Uh, big 6'4 forward who Chris Drury recently, he's like these big forwards. Well, and there's a lot to like with Samuel Hansek. You know, first season over here from Slovakia playing in the Western League. He was third in points, second in points per game, you know, among Western Hockey League players. But he also missed two months with a, with a really bad skate cut that he sustained at the World Juniors. Uh, players stepped on, on his leg cut the muscle. The muscle itself needed 20 stitches to be put back together. Then he needed at least 20. He couldn't, he couldn't even remember how many to close the actual cut. So he missed about two months of action, but came back. Didn't look like he missed a beat. You know, he tested off the charts at the scouting combine. So there's no more questions about his physical ability. He's a hundred percent healed from the skate cut, but just the way he skates, the way he moves, the way he plays just an outstanding offensive talent, you know, he, he's strong enough to win battles on the walls. He can make plays from below the goal line. You know, he's got a really nice shot. He can beat goalies from a distance, moves well for a big guy, high hockey IQ. You know, he's a guy that, you know, he's number nine in Central Scouting's final rankings. I wonder if he had had a full season, if we wouldn't be talking about him as a possible top five, top six talent. That's how good he is. I, it just the, the time that he lost – and an incredibly stacked draft class might push him down a little bit, but he's the kind of guy that we could look back five, seven years from now and say, geez, a lot of people missed the boat on Samuel Hanzek. So if he is there at 23, he he would be a steal of a grab. If he's there at 23, I think a lot of teams made a huge mistake. Let's hope he's there at 23. <laughs> uh, another name here, uh, OHL kid, Callum Ritchie, another center. Again, I feel like the Rangers just need to center up, like you've said in, in your mock, I feel like they're just a little bit older there and they're just chasing those center depths. Well, and, and Cal Murchie's a good player. If you're going to chase that position, he's a good place to go. You know, you sort of have to grade Callum Murchie on a little bit of a curve. 
He had a really bad shoulder injury in August at the Ivan Holinka tournament. Played through it the entire season. Played through the Ontario Hockey League season, the OHL playoffs, went to the world under 18s. Then he decided to have surgery. He probably should have had the surgery back in October, but he decided to tough it out and play, and he had an outstanding season. We talked to one scout who said Asha was two different teams. When Callum Ritchie was in the lineup, they were a good team. When he wasn't, they really struggled. So that tells you what kind of player he was and kind of ability he has. He skates so well. You know, he he just, I watched him a little bit. Just, he can control the play just the way he handles the puck. Slow it down, speed it up, anything you want to do. He is a, he's a worker bee. Always on the move, always working hard in the offensive zone. You know, he's got a really nice shot. I want to see what he can do when he's fully healthy. And he had surgery after the scouting combine. He actually came to the combine with his arm in a sling, so he didn't do any of the testing. But I want to see now, in, and in speaking to him, he said he will be 100% ready for when training camp starts with whatever team drafts him. I'm looking forward to seeing what a fully healthy Callum Ritchie can do next season. All right, so he's kind of a pick to see, uh, wait and see then guy. Kind of, let's see if he can develop for any sure. further. Yeah, okay. And he's a guy that I think could be in that 16 to 25 range. So, you know, there is a shot that he could be there on the board when the Rangers turn comes up. Uh, one guy who's kind of moving down the draft board, and I, I loved him last year, was Charlie Stremmel. I thought he was great uh, and and had a little bit of step back here at Wisconsin, but another center um, uh, plays a strong two-way game too. Well, I think with Stremmel, it's you kind of have to parse out. Wisconsin really didn't have a good season as a whole. There was some turmoil there. They made a coaching change. So how much of that was an 18-year-old true freshman being put in a position where – Maybe he got the ice time he wasn't really ready for. And there was some turmoil going on behind the scenes that maybe affected him a little bit. But you look at the size and you look at the athleticism. He's six foot three and, and 220 something pounds, skates well. He is your prototypical power forward, power center. I think there's a lot to like about Charlie Stramel. You know, even if he isn't a scorer, even, he, even if he isn't your, your top six center. I think he could still contribute to a team in a bottom six role. Saw it at the World Juniors. You know, he can do that. He can contribute just with the size, the strength, and and a lot of the thing, a lot of the good elements he brings to the game. All right. So the Rangers pick. They have the first round pick. They don't pick again until ninety first overall. So there's a there's a large gap there. Maybe they pick up a pick. I will say probably not. But coming to that ninety first pick, there's two guys again. I watched the USDP. These are the guys that I like. There's two defensemen that I like on that team that I think could be in that range. The first one is a local kid, uh, Drew Fortescue, who is a plus-minus machine and uh, six foot three. I really liked him. You know, it's funny you mentioned um, Fortescue. I asked Ryan Leonard at the scouting combine. I said, "Who who of your teammates is the most overlooked, underappreciated guy?" And without hesitation, Fortescue was the guy he mentioned. You know, he's a guy that, you know, he's not gonna get. All the he's not going to be the big point producer. He's not going to be, you know, the big, you know, above the fold guy. But he he's strong. He plays a little bit of that that defensive defenseman role that every team needs. I mean, he had 23 assists in 54 games this season. He's a guy that's going to go to college. He'll get bigger. He'll get stronger. He'll continue to to work on the details of his game. But if he's a guy that, you know, you could picture him as the defensive guy in a with an offensive minded defenseman, an Adam Fox type, a Kale McCarr type, you know, an Eric Carlson type, that he's the defensive conscience 
that allows your offensive guy to go roam and be that fourth forward. So every team needs guys like Drew Fortescue, where he's not going to be your Norris Trophy winner, but he's going to help your guy maybe win the Norris because he takes care of all the other things that your number one defenseman who's going to go, go, go and drive your offense doesn't have to. And the Rangers have a great success with Braden Schneider coming in and kind of being like a baby Jacob Truba. And another guy who kind of plays a really physical role in that U.S. development team is Brady Cleveland, six foot four. I think he racked up over 150 PIMS this year with the team. Uh, I thought maybe he could be a target because I know the Rangers recently have kind of liking that big time defenseman that can uh, hit and be physical. Well, for sure. And and you certainly look at that size. He's almost six foot five already. Again, he'll go to college. He's going to continue to get stronger and work on the fine, finer details of his game. And that's one of the nice things about college hockey, for especially for these U.S. national team kids, is it's a weekend league. So you're only going to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that leaves you Monday through Thursday to be in the gym, to get stronger, to put on the extra muscle mass you might need, and to fine-tune your skills. There are so many good college coaches nowadays that they can work on all the little elements in their game to make themselves as good as they can possibly be. So you can step out of an NCAA lineup and into an NHL lineup in short order. So whether it's, you know, a Drew Fortescue or Brady Cleveland, any of these guys off the national team development program, you know, that's the advantage they have by going the college route. Not that, you know, the Canadian hockey league route is bad or wrong or anything like that. Everybody's got to find the route that works for them. But I think the college pathway for some of these guys is really the way to go. Um, and the Rangers are obviously looking for scorers, top six talent, especially when you get to that range. Um, if you could find someone there, it's a home run. Hunter Anderson, high school kid, Shattuck, St. Mary, uh, big-time scorer. Uh, do you have anything on him? Uh, that's one person that when I was talking to a couple of the people, they said that he could be one of the top high school kids coming out this year. Well, for sure. You know, you, all these guys, the the jump from, you know, from that level of hockey, even if it is a, you know, a, a place like, like Shattuck St. Mary, he's going to go to Denver University. Mm. So national championship program in the fall, you know, that jump from prep school hockey to NCAA hockey. I talked to Gavin Brindley, the University of Michigan star, and he said it was harder for him to go from prep school to the United States League than it was to jump from the United States League to the NCAA. So because you're coming out of the prep school environment where you don't have the structure, you don't have the the talent around you, where if you're an elite level player, you just get the puck and go. And everybody else is sort of follows in your wake and your coach just says, whatever you want to do, you go. And and for a player like Hunter Anderson, who had, you know, I had the numbers here in front of me a minute ago, you know, 96 points in 47 games, that's a lot of just get it and go, mm-hmm. right? Well, now he's going to go to a place where there's structure, a place where he's not going to be able to dominate at five foot nine and 175 pounds. He's not going to be able to do some of the same things that he was able to do at at, at Shattuck playing against other high school age kids. It's a big step up for some of these guys. And and you can't expect huge numbers from these guys as true freshmen, especially a guy who doesn't have that overwhelming physical size. But again, like, like we said about Cleveland, like we said about Fortescue, He'll get into that NCAA program. He'll get in the gym. He'll work with the skills coaches and he'll take the things that he can do well and just magnify them and make them even better. So, you know, Hunter Anderson, you know, he's hundred number 111 in central scouting's final ranking, but that's a guy that you take him in say the fourth round, the fifth round, and you just let him marinate. You let mm-hmm. him play three years at Denver. 
then maybe he needs a season in the American League. But if he's got the skill to put up 96 points in 47 games against high-level prep school talent, if you follow that developmental curve, maybe he's a guy that fits in for you eventually as a middle six forward, if he's able to get strong enough and continue to develop the right way. Yeah, so after the Rangers third-round pick, they don't pick until the fifth round, and they have two six-round picks. So that's why I think that third-round pick is very important for the Rangers to hit on a guy who has some type of a chance to make the NHL level based off of their current prospects that are obviously most of them graduate the NHL level now. So a little bear there, but um, I'm going to really test you here. This is a name that I don't know if you know if you, how much you know on him, but some, I asked around for six round pick guys and I got Daniel Bush from Belarus playing the QMJHL. Do you know anything about him? Apparently he was a top 10 scorer there. Unfortunately, I, I don't, you know, just <laughs> looking at the numbers, but Ren Aranda, they were a, a middle of the pack team in the queue. And look, if you're a guy who's going to come over from Europe and test yourself in the Quebec league, listen, you're, you're taking a kid. I, I couldn't go do the opposite, right? I couldn't go over to Russia or Belarus and function in over where they are. I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture, you know, it would be really difficult. So I give anybody like that who's willing to come over and take that chance and take that opportunity. And look, he was a point of game player. 41 goals in 66 games. I know it's the Q, so maybe you, you grade a little bit on a slant there, but I give the kid full marks for coming over and being productive. And look, you know, he's gonna he's probably gonna get drafted. And even if he doesn't, he'll go back to, to the Quebec League if he wants to, have another kick at it, be another year older, another year stronger, another year more developed. It's only gonna help him. The fact that he's coming over here to North America to me is half the battle because scouts will have a chance to see him in person against, you know, a better selection of his peers. And that's nothing against guys in the Russian junior league. That's a decent league. But I think if you're looking apples to apples, I think the Canadian junior hockey leagues are better than what you find in the European junior leagues. So the fact that he's over here playing in the Quebec league for a good team, I think it says, you know, it it speaks well of his, work ethic, his desire and his, his goal to play in the NHL. I think he's, you know, had a nice, done a nice job putting his best foot forward towards getting there. And then what the last skater I have here on my list is Jack Harvey, USHL out of Chicago steel. Who've had uh, a lot of great players come in there. Just put up a 40 goal season there. I'm uh, not sure if you've watched him at all this year at all. I haven't, but you know, the reputation of guys coming out of that Chicago system, you know, multiple first round picks, Owen power, Adam Fantilli and his brother, Luca, you know, Matthew Coronado was a first round pick a couple of years ago by the Calgary flames, Mackie Samoskiewicz, who was a a first round pick by the Florida Panthers. That is a team. That is an organization that knows how to produce top level NHL prospects. So the fact that, that Jack Harvey's coming out of there, you know, 72 points in 60 games speaks well to where he is and, and, and his development. And, you know, they don't, it's a really good system to learn in there. And he's going to go to Boston University. It's a really good program that he's going to be going to. They have some, a couple of really nice freshmen coming in there. So he'll have an opportunity to, again, further his development, further his, you know, what he can do and, and it, all of his well rounded skill and just continue to round out his skill set and become a guy who's going to have a chance to hopefully play in the NHL someday. And then I have one goalie on my list. I don't think the Rangers will take a goalie. Uh, you know, they're, they have a lot of young goalies right now in their system. But uh, this guy set out to me the World Juniors, uh, the U20s, 
uh, from Latvia, um, Patrice uh, Berzins. Berzins. He played in also in the USHL for Tri City this year. But uh, when I was watching Latvia in games, like there was a guy was making fifty saves a game, and he was letting in six goals. But you know, or, or he was letting in a lot of goals. But like, he was making some incredible saves, and I was like, this guy gets some defensive from me. He could be pretty good. Well, I think when you're when you're looking at goalies from those sort of countries, it's a you're going to get just huge volumes of shots. And I I think, you know, I was at the World Juniors, and some of the goalies that really stood out were guys like Adam Guyon for Slovakia, who who who's going to play in the U.S. League um, for oh gosh for Green Bay next season before he goes off to college. You know, Thomas Suhanek who played in the Western League for Tri City. You know, those guys really stood out to me as guys who, you know, have a chance to be decent NHL players, have a chance to be NHL starters. I don't know if we're going to see a goalie go in the first round here, but I think there's some really good talent, guys who project to be NHL guys. I don't know if they're going to be top-level NHL starters or not, but there are guys like Carson Bjarnison from Brandon in the Western League, Michael Robble from Omaha in the United States League, the Czech goalie who's going to play at uh, UMass next season, Trey Augustine from the U.S. National Team Program, you know, uh, a guy like Scott Ratzlaff who played for Seattle, the best team in, in the Western Hockey League this year, Guyon, who I mentioned, Jacob Fowler, who played, who was the goalie of the year in the United States Hockey League. He's going to play at, um, oh gosh, Boston College next season. So there are some goalies who have chance to be, you know, legitimate NHL players and and – it's always one of those situations where if there's not a first round goalie, somebody's going to take the first one and then you're going to see three or four go in a row because that's just how the draft works and how teams think. So I don't know when the first one's going to go. I have a feeling we could see one. If we do see one, you know, the way my mock draft kind of looks right now, I, I think Michael Robble could be the guy to Vegas with the last pick of the first round. Cause I think they need a lot of things, a young goalie to build, build around is a place to go. Certainly a young goalie who's six foot eight is a really good place to look. So Robble, I, I had a scout tell me that they hadn't seen a guy that big, that athletic at this young an age, maybe ever. Oh. So there's a lot to like about Michael Robble. And I don't know if he's going to go in the first round, but I think he's the guy most likely to go. If, if one does go in the first round. Are there any guys on your list uh, that you've watched this year that could be around like that, you know, mid round, third, fourth round guys that you were, you really have fallen in love with that, you know, you think have a really good shot of making it. Well, I, I think if we're looking at just skaters in general, uh, Danny Nelson from the U S national team program is a really intriguing guy. You know, he's number, um, oh, I had it in front of me here. He's, he's, he, he got a first round grade from NHL central scouting. He's number 22 on their list. He was sort of a, you know, if you're not the, the top line guy, the Oliver Moore's, the Gabriel pros, the Ryan Leonard's, the Will Smith's, you're going to get overlooked in that national team program. And Danny Nelson is a guy, I think got a little bit overlooked as a third line center, you know, big, strong kid, six foot three and, and 200 pounds. Um, he's going to go play college hockey next season. But here's the interesting thing about Danny Nelson is his last year of high school hockey, he was a defenseman. So teams are really curious, and we talk to scouts that, you know, they don't know where they really see him. He's athletic enough. He's big enough. He's strong enough to play defense at the NHL level, or at least projects to do so. He also projects to be a big, strong center 
you know, who, who can be difficult to handle down low. So it's sort of kind of a situation where I don't know where he's going to be. I remember um, a couple of, you know, about 15 years ago, I was talking to Brian Burke about this when he was the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks. They really liked Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner was a defenseman in his draft year, but he had played forward all up until his draft season. So when they were going through how they liked their picks, they said, we're going to take Gardner because we like him as a hockey player. If he doesn't work out as a defenseman, we can move him to forward and we think he'll be a productive player for us. So teams could look at Danny Nelson sort of the same way where, okay, we'll try him at center and maybe it'll work. But if it doesn't, we know he can play defense and we think he can be a really good defenseman that way. So he's an interesting guy could go late in the first round, could go middle of the second round. It's really, you know, there again, there there's fine details separating these guys. So he, to me is going to be a really interesting case to see, what team steps up to get him and, and where they like him at what position? Sounds like Keandre Miller a little bit when he switched over to, to defense later in his development uh, from forward. Well, for sure. And and listen, you know, everybody does it growing up. Everybody plays every position no matter what sport they're in. And just at a certain point, you sort of lock in. The elite guys will lock into a position and they'll stay there. Once in a while, you'll get into that upper level of development with a guy who, well, let's try him at a different position, whether it's through injury or a coach is saying, hey, what the heck? Or the player wants to say, hey, I want to try this one time. Let's see how it happens. And suddenly it's a completely different situation. So, you know, it, it doesn't happen often, but when it does happen, it's really, really unique. So Danny Nelson's a guy, you know, just to see what this, what the NHL community thinks of him and where he's going to go. All right, well... Thank you. I mean, thank you for coming on again. I love getting the uh, all the inside info from you. You're a a wealth of knowledge that helps out all of my myself and all of our listeners. So on draft day, when we hear a guy's name, you can say, "Oh, we heard about him," or uh, you know, get a little insight. So, thank you so much again for coming on as always, and uh, we'll catch up with you. We'll catch up with you in a year from now. <laughs> Sounds good, Kyle. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on. Uh, like I said, it's the third time with Adam on the show. He is fantastic. Make sure you go check out his podcast. Uh, draft class podcast. Make sure you go check out everything that he writes on NHL.com. His latest mock draft just came out. Uh, I think it was Sunday night. Just came out. So uh, make sure you go check him out there. And uh, yeah, we'll see. He nailed the Othman pick a couple years ago. Obviously, last year, Rangers didn't have a first round pick. So we'll see if David Enstrom is the pick this year. He's in the latest mock draft for him. So, uh, you know, obviously, we heard a lot of information on, on some guys there. So uh, it, when you hear a name get called, maybe hopefully. We'll have some insight there that we already covered with Adam, so you'll know exactly who that player is. And obviously, when the player comes out, we'll be I'll be posting about him, and hopefully, we get some uh, some input from either Adam or Byron. And talking about Byron, uh, this guy, unbelievable! The graphs that he does and everything showing the progression of player, it's fantastic. So um, let's set now to interview Byron. All right, now welcome back to the show. It's NHL draft seasons. We got to have him back on. We had him on last year. Everyone loved him. Uh, the creator of Hockey Prospecting and NHL Draft Consultant, Byron Beard. Thanks so much for jumping back on with us, buddy. Yeah, no worries. Happy to happy to hop on. So, yeah, I mean, last year was great. I think we had a huge response to our draft. Every year we have a great response to our draft episodes, but people really loved uh, your tools and your graphs and such. And I remember after Sakura was taken, everyone's like, who is this guy? And you were able to quickly get up the graph on there, and I look like a hero because everyone's like, oh, look at that. So I got to thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. Always happy to help. 
Uh, so this year's class, I saw you proclaim it the best class you might have ever seen. Um, how special is this class? It seems like you go one through seven and they could have been a number one pick in another year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly like, yeah, maybe, maybe not one through seven, but like one through five for sure. Like, it, you know, in any year they could be, you know, a first overall pick and like just the, and not even like it's a, you know, a pick that you're not, you're kind of wonky on, or you're not sure how that first overall pick is going to go. Like they're like really high caliber picks. I mean, you have Bedard obviously who's you know, the next sort of Canadian generational talent, the likes we haven't seen since McDavid. And, you know, before that it was Crosby. And and before that it's, you know, you're basically looking at like Mary Lemieux and, and Wayne Gretzky type thing, like very, very rare. So you have that at the top leading it off, but then you have a guy like Fantilli that looks amazing. Um, putting up numbers in college, you know, comparable to like Paul Korea and Jack Eichel. And then, you know, you go down the list, you have a guy like Mishkov who also looks like he could be kind of a generational guy, just how he profiles in, in a model like mine. And he might not even go in the top five. So yeah, it's just, it's loaded and, and all the way that you look through it, like, you know, the way I break it down in terms of like really high value guys, like this one just bubbles to the top is just having, some of the most of those those types of guys that we've ever seen before. I mean, 2015 had a lot. Um, you know, I think 2020 had a lot of them too, but then it got a cut wonky with with COVID and the different COVID years and stuff. But yeah, it's it's just loaded all the way through, and it's going to be awesome to look back at in 10 years and see, you know, what happened with this draft and if it really lived up to the hype. But I, th- I think it will. So the Rangers picked 23rd in the first round. We got first round pick this year. So, you know, big doings. Of course, by doing this interview and, and doing draft coverage, it almost guarantees the Rangers will most likely move that pick before draft day. But, uh, you know, that's that's what usually happens with this kind of stuff. But um, so when I look at their pick and you, you see where some of the mocks are for them, you have a couple of guys that are ranked a little bit higher on your rankings than some other people that could go in that range. And one kid I really like is Gavin Brindley from Michigan. I know he's a little undersized, but you, you have him, I think, 21st on your list, which is a little bit higher than some other people have him. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys that kind of look like that. I mean, he is small, which is is kind of a knock against him. But, um, you know, guys that kind of profile like that in the model and, and have an equivalency like that, like, you know, they're not that, that top-grade top five, top 10 pick, but like a lot of these guys tend to hit. Uh, He's a little bit older too, but I mean, once you're kind of out of, you know, the first, you know, that's, that's say about three tiers of like really good quality prospects. He's kind of that next level down where, you know, in other drafts, he would probably be more of a guy that would be ranked in like the early teens in a list like mine. But this draft is so deep that he he drops down a little bit further. But yeah, he looks good. And I mean, having having that type of production immediately in your freshman year in college is a really good sign, too. So, you know, that's basically the the closest you can get to, you know, playing pro as a as a teenager in North America. So, yeah, I mean, I like him. I think he's. He's at a good spot there. The size limitations could be could be an issue, but I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, the different stats about him and stuff, different stuff you can find out there with the scouts are saying. Like they're not, you know, really concerned with his overall game. Like he has like a really good compete level and he he just looks good overall and he looks 
good in a in a model like mine. So um, yeah, he could be he could be a good pick for the Rangers there for sure. And then switching up from a guy who you know I watched Gavin's in the season because he's in NCAA, but Daniel Butt over in Russia, six foot five, big fo- uh, big winger. Uh, really don't know anything about him, and obviously there's that kind of Russian stigma the last couple of years with the unknown of uh, you know people getting over there with COVID and watching some of these guys play. Uh, one is that stigma kind of gone this year, and two, what is Butt's game all about? I don't, I don't know honestly if the stigma is gone, because um, I mean the situation is still there. You know, I've read some stuff, you know from you know anonymous stuff from teams and stuff where they're saying well we're not going to take any russians at all like no matter what so i think it's going to kind of look pretty similar to the last you know one or two years where you know some of these russian guys are dropping way further than they should just because essentially the country that they're from the country that they're playing in if you look at like you know a guy like yurov um you know last year type thing like he was a guy that would probably go higher in, in other drafts, but you know, the Russian factor dropped him back a bit. And then there was a few more guys that, that dropped way back last year. So I think it would probably be something similar to that. Yeah. In terms of, but um, you know, he's this big, huge Russian winger. Um, but so, I'm, you know, those, those big, huge guys always get the, the favorable push teams are always looking for those guys even still. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's not like one of these, you know, massive like soda machines that like has like no production at all to him. Like he's got some pretty decent production. He's had it this year and he had it in his his pre-draft year as well. So yeah. So that's why I ranked him high. He's thought of really, he's really highly regarded. Um, You know, he's thought of as a, as a first round pick, he's enormous, but he can actually play and he's got, you know, the production that a model like this, looks for and it's actually backed up so i mean he's not like he doesn't have like the production again of like a you know top 10 top 20 pick but he has the production of of a guy who often goes in you know the late 20s or the you know early 20s um and yeah so i mean and he's also enormous so i think he's going to get a real good shot and teams are you know if even if he can't find his way into being like a top six guy, you know, maybe he doesn't have that ceiling to him. Like you can probably easily slot him in as like a bottom six checker that can probably pound guys on the boards and stuff because he's just enormous. So this is kind of, you know, I'll call it a safer pick because he is so big and he's so massive, but he actually has production behind him. So it's not one of these like long shots, you know, that we saw from especially like decades ago where you pick these big, huge guys that like had no, offensive upside at all he has some and you know um and like i said he's really highly regarded and and so yeah i think he's got a decent shot and probably doesn't pop as a as a star or superstar or anything maybe not even a middle six guy but should be probably an effective guy that team a lot of teams can use for sure and then another guy i just saw you actually talk about him on twitter too uh quentin musty who played in sudbury no hl six foot two winger uh, seems like a good goal scorer and the Rangers right now, they need some goal scoring. Uh, and I think he could be a fit and you have him higher on your list than some other places do. I think some mock drafts have him just around where the Rangers are picking. So uh, I like the fact that you have him high on your board. Yeah, he's, he looks great. Like he's, he's got like the, you know, he's his, his equivalence here is scoring. If you look at this draft by forwards, he's like in the 95th percentile, really high up there. Um, he's really, really young, which, you know, um, 
stuff like this model kind of shows like when you're you know in that younger like born in the summer type thing and you're kind of doing the same things as your peers who are you know six months to ten months younger or older sorry then that's such a huge gap because there's just such a massive age gap at you know this point even even these you know these 18 year olds like a six month difference can be you know all the difference so he looks he looks awesome and he's got really good size and um yeah he's a good goal scorer you know lots of assists as well like i'm almost i'm a calgary flames guy so i'm almost hoping that he goes to the flames at 16 before he he ever gets to the rangers but he'd be if he drops that far like he's just found money like in the 20s because i mean you look at the first rounders that are a similar size that you know look like him and and profile like him same age and same production that's the type of stuff like there's very few that miss and there's a lot of you know good hits in there um guys like sam bennett and you know uh velardi and huberto is a similar size um evander kane like a lot of good hits in the where where a few guys where you say oh he didn't make it you know like michael dalcole is, is kind of one example of a guy that fit that same exact profile that didn't really work out. So yeah, he's, he looks great. And I'd be surprised if he'd be around in the twenties. Like I said, I hope he goes at 16, but we'll see where that goes. Is there a guy in the first round that's in that 23 pick range that you are a big fan of that maybe could be undervalued on some other people's boards that really grades out well in your tool? Um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, Mikhail Gulyayev from Russia. He's like this smaller, he's, I mean, he's, he's 5'10", the smaller defenseman out of Russia playing in that same league that Daniil Budd is playing in. So he looks amazing. Like his profile in the model is very, very rare. And it's like absolutely like elite. Like he was producing at an extremely high rate last year. He's producing at an extremely high rate this year. He's a really good skater. Like he can just fly. Um, almost kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the Lane Hudson and Owen Zellweger situations of the past two years. I mean, these guys kind of drop into the second round. And now if you do a redraft with these guys that haven't played an NHL game yet, but now you've kind of got two or another year of data on them, like they're obvious, you know, first round talents or late first round, or at least early second round talents. So I could see the same thing happen with, with Guliyev and, you know, I think he's going to drop into the 20s somewhere, maybe even to the second round because he is small and there's a Russian factor and there's probably some concerns about, you know, his overall game. But yeah, he's a really good one that if he's around, like massive, massive value. Um, another one that might slip because uh, his skating's not very good is Andrew Kristal from the WHL. You look at guys that score like him and, you know, especially looking at his pre-draft year where he looked really good and then looking at his draft year and like just hitting those heights. I mean, I think 95% of them make the NHL and like half of them turn into stars. So, I mean, if you're getting that type of value in the twenties as well, it comes with, yeah, he's not a great skater for an elite offensive talent like that, but that's why he's dropping so far. So can you, can you fix that even a little bit and turn him into something? Cause I mean, like the way he profiles just looks great. So he's another one that could certainly slip that far that, um, yeah, like a team that, you know, when you're, when you're in the twenties and you're drafting, like at that point, less than half the guys drafted actually make the NHL and make 200 games. So if you can get, you know, 
something with like substantial offensive punch or offensive upside there that is a bit of a risk but maybe you know with some development and whatever you can fix these these issues that are dropping this player by you know 10 to 20 to 30 spots like that could be massive value for sure so those are two guys i'd be looking at if i was the rangers if they start to fall because i mean i have both of them in the top 10 and theoretically both could fall to the 20s or further so well let's, let's root for that then but that sounds pretty good. I'll sign up for that. <laughs> I was a huge yeah. Lane Hudson fan. We talked about him last year about how, how good he looked on and all the models. And it was just a size thing. And I, he was taking one pick before the Rangers pick. And I was sitting there. I'm like, all right, maybe get this guy, get another Adam Fox type player back there. And then boom, Montreal gets him right beforehand. And I'm like, our old friend, Jeff Gorton takes him. I was like, Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah that was like- rough. Two or three picks from being a third rounder, and then yeah. now you look and he's putting up totals like that we haven't seen since since your boy Brian Leach type thing. Like <laughs> I was say 30, he's got Leach years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, just unbelievable. So yeah, I I I hope I hope he makes it, and I hope he's just amazing. That would just do wonders for just myself and on a model like this to pick up on something, and it like it just it would be a cool story for him personally. So. Uh, now I don't know how much you've gone into your third round forecasting, but the Rangers pick in the 90th, uh, was it 91st or 90th, somewhere around there, um, in that range, uh, 91st, in that range. Is there any player in that third round that you have your eye on that the model is showing upside to that, you know, could be kind of a, you know, it's a lottery ticket at that point, right? And then, but maybe a guy who has grades out as a player that has like a high chance of making the NHL? Yeah, there's a couple that I kind of that are in sort of the back end of my top 32 that I release, which, you know, they're players that kind of show really well in the model, but like nobody's really talking about them at all as like a even like a top 60 pick. So, you know, I put them in there because once you get to that point, you have a lot of players that sort of look similar um, and these ones kind of bubble to the top, but they're just not being regarded in like a first round type type pick so i mean there's a couple russian guys um uh, roman kansarov and igor Klimovic, um both playing in that same sort of junior russian nhl league and they look really good really good production um Klimovic in particular particular is is also very young born in may so yeah i love those guys as like deep deep picks that could work their way into something in a couple of years. And they're just, you know, they're going to go back to Russia. There's no, no pressure on them to come over early. So, you know, they'll just develop at their pace and hopefully they get the playing time and then, you know, build their way up to the KHL and then find their way here, you know, maybe in two or three or four years. So those are two, there's another one where I was actually looking at the elite prospects draft guide, which is amazing. Like it's very detailed such like good scouting information and and um yeah little tidbits about the players and there's a where my guys sort of rank on their list and there's a guy that they they don't even think is going to get drafted or he's even i guess kind of worthy of getting drafted and he's uh he's a defenseman out of the ohl his name is again really really young and has this offensive you know, sort of profile of a player that tends to make the NHL and oftentimes, you know, turns into a, a very good producer in the NHL. So he's the one that 
you know, probably doesn't even get drafted, but I'm kind of ranked right at the back end of my my top 32 because he just has this, you know, it's not a, a super rare profile, but it's 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 kind of rare. And, you know, players like that, they, they often make it. Sometimes they often, you know, sometimes they can even go undrafted, like a guy like um, Tori Krug sort of looks exactly like him. And Tori Krug was never drafted and, you know, was small and then found his way and then basically like immediately made an impact. So He's a guy who kind of looks like that, but he has better size than him. So those are those are three that I would probably be looking at. Another guy, uh, I think he's going to go before that, but he could be of interest. Is that the WHL? So he has a profile, you know, older older guy, but like had very good production in his pre-draft year and near elite production in his draft year. And often guys that look like this, of this kind of older variety that are just below sort of those like really elite guys, they normally go in like the mid-teens in the first round. Whereas this guy, I don't think he'll go in the first round. He'll probably go in the second round, but maybe he slips to the third round. So he'd be another another good option too. So that's that's four that I would say that maybe the Rangers could be eyeing once they, they get to their third round pick there. You broke up there. What was that last guy's name? Uh, Cohen Zemer. Cohen Zemer. Okay. All right. I yeah. see him on your list here. All right. All right. So, all right. So there you go. So there's a couple names to watch out for. There's pop up. We'll say he'll have a eureka moment. Yeah. Well, that, that defenseman now, you give me new hope now for the sixth round. Maybe I'll be throwing tidbits on Twitter about him. Look like a genius. They take him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> be asking you for models of a sixth round pick. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you did hurt my heart though, because you, you have your organizational prospect ranks came out and you have the Rangers ranked 24th and the Rangers for the longest time had a top five. And obviously they've graduated guys, like Igor Shosurkin and Lafreniere and Kako and all those guys now to the NHL. So there's reason why they're, you know, obviously dropping down the list. Um, but I have to ask you, you have, I agree with hundred percent with their top five prospects you have listed there. But the Rangers have signed Zach Jones to a two-year deal. He's kind of the guy that Ranger fans are kind of like, okay, when are they going to give him a shot? They gave him a small shot early to start the year, but then he ended up back in the American Hockey League and made the AHL All-Star team, actually. Um, but on your model, where is he showing for NHL probability, I guess, for his future? Like, I don't know if it's star quality, but where does he show right now for you uh, for where his development is? Yeah, I mean, he – you kind of said it there. Like he, I, I wouldn't say he has a really high, you know, star likelihood. Like he doesn't look like, um, you know, Elaine Hudson or an Adam Fox, this type of player that's going to immediately come in and make an impact. And I, I think you're seeing that because he, you know, he plays a little bit in the NHL and then he goes back to the AHL for big segments and stuff. So you can really see that in the data. So his probabilities basically show exactly that. Not a high star probability, but a pretty high NHLer probability. So, I mean, he's probably a guy that finds his way into the NHL and, you know, makes 200 games, which is great value out of, what is he, a third-round pick? Third-round pick, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly what he kind of looks like. Like, one comparable that I was just looking at him before I hopped on that I was kind of looking through, you know, list of comparables that pops up on the tool. And one was, like, a guy like Derek Pouliot. That's probably, like, that's kind of exactly, like, where I could see him being. Like, kind of like, you know, a fringe top four guy probably more like a bottom pairing who kind of maybe plays up a little bit if there's some injuries and stuff, but has a nice long, long career and, and certainly finds his way into, you know, a permanent top six NHL role. So that's where I could see him being, you know, nothing, 
crazy in terms of like, you know, a guy running your, your first power play unit or anything like that, but a, a real solid defenseman that, that plays a long time. So. And the next guy is, I think the guy that Ranger fans are most excited about the first round pick from 2021, um, Brent Othman, who again, had a very solid season in the OHL, not as good as the year prior. Um, but I guess he's a guy that you can ask, ask star quality that if he has any star quality or what his NHL outlook looks like. Cause it seems like, with the Rangers cap situation, they're going to maybe have him contend for a roster spot in training camp uh, just because of, you know, the crunch they're on right now. Yeah. He's always, he's always a fun one. Cause the Rangers fan, like you said, like that's kind of their, you know, their it's our guy. That's our, that's that they're looking at. <laughs> yeah. We don't have many of them right now. He's our guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I posted about him before, and this is where I always kind of hear from the Rangers because, or the Rangers fans, because, you know, he has this big season last year and, you know, it didn't move the meat, the needle much for star probability. He actually, like he's always had pretty low star probability and actually it went down. So it went from 4% to 3% last year. And people were like, how is that possible? And I, you know, explaining it, like, you know, he's, he's not a young guy. He's born January 5th. So he's always been like the oldest player, like in any tier he's ever played probably. So, you see that in the model, like, and the jump that he, and he kind of, well, he has kind of a bit of wonkiness because he didn't actually play in his draft here. So that's kind of like a weird starting point, but that jump isn't actually massive for like a T plus one for an older prospect. It's, it's good, but it's not like one of these like elite jumps. And then, like you said, this year, he kind of took a little bit of a step back. So he's not, he's not progressing through these different tiers. Like you want to see, I mean, the reputation is so good and everybody's so high on him. And like you said, like the, the Rangers don't have a ton of forward prospects and they have to start filling these, these sort of cap holes that they have that, you know, he probably gets a decent chance, like you said, in training camp to take a spot, but it'll probably, you know, I see him being more of a third liner that maybe gets some, some spot time in the, the kind of top six or middle six from time to time, but is, is kind of more used as a third liner. I would say like a guy, you know, as a Calgary guy, like a guy kind of like Dylan Dubé is probably, you know, kind of where I see him being as almost potentially a ceiling, I guess. Um, but I would say it's unlikely that he, that he turns into like this, this big stud that is this massive offensive driver on the Rangers. Um, yeah. That's how he kind of shows in the model. So. Yeah, that sucks. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh actually kyle he went from a four percent to an 18 percent star this year and uh no i i, I figured uh, you know around a second to third line player with a physical side to him that can score and be more of a greedy guy i think that's kind of where his roles could be and we the 50 goals i think probably did him a disservice because it kind of let everyone believe he was his big time goal scorer i think that was just kind of uh, a special season well wrapped into uh you know just a physical play that he had, he plays with yeah yeah for sure uh last year's pick Adam Sakura um again another guy you know that have a lot of guys to hang your hat on in this Rangers organization the 24th as you said um how did he do in his first post draft year uh, he actually had a good training camp last year turned a lot of heads um but again a guy who does not profile I, I believe as a top 6 player more of a third line energy guy uh but how did his development go this year yeah, I'd say exactly that. Like I was really high on him, you know, last year before the draft because he's he was seeing good results in the Slovakian Pro League as you know, a first year eligible 
draft player and he was you know i think the youngest player in the draft or yeah. close to because he was born sort of that early september um so there's so much runway there to improve because he's so much younger than you know his peers on on average there so i really like that and then yeah like looking at this year he had a pretty good year like he jumped up a little bit but he didn't make this like massive jump that i was almost like hoping that he would make that would kind of solidify him into this you know this potential to be something really outstanding you know i liken it to kind of Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau was also very young when he was drafted. He's small. And then when he went to college his first year after being drafted, he had like this monstrous year and he was already kind of putting the team on his back. And then the second year he went up another level and his third year he was putting up like record, record breaking numbers. So I was hoping to see like a jump like that from Socorro when he went back to the Slovakian league this year. And it wasn't quite there. It was, you know, it was probably 20, 30% less than, than I was sort of hoping for to see that, that big jump. So I agree with you. I think he's probably more of a, you know, if he does make it, it's going to be like a third line energy, like speed ball, just in on the four check and, and, and that type of thing. But again, not like a massive producer on the offensive side, maybe, you know, probably more like a 40 point guy. Yeah. That, that's what pretty much, I think we're in agreement there. Um, yeah. I think that's where you kind of see him at. I've, I've talked to a guy who played with him this year and kind of just said like, he's just, so much energy. He's got offensive skill, but he's just, uh, you know, back checking. He's a good 200 foot player. Um, but he kind of likened him to more of like a Carl Haglund, uh, yeah. type of a type of a mold where I think Haglund could play second. You know, Haglund's played second, third line, but it, with him on your third line, that that's a deep lineup. When Carl Haglund's the Rangers' third line, like, that was a great lineup they had. So maybe he could turn if he turns into Carl Haglund, please. I, I'll be pumped for that. Yeah. Like, or another guy that kind of comes to mind is, the way he plays and, and the size and stuff is like a guy like Andrew Majupani in Calgary. Like, you know, he's so fast and always on the four check and stuff and always in there creating stuff, but he's not, you know, he's not putting up 60, 70 points a year. He chips in his 40 points and he's just in on everything. And he's just a really solid player that, you know, the flames play him sometimes on the third line, but sometimes he's, you know, on the second line, he kind of does well, whatever. He's sort of like a Swiss army knife you can put mm -hmm. anywhere. So I could see that kind of being Sakura as well. Um, all right. One more guy I got to ask you about. And I think this is going to be fun for Rangers Twitter to hear your thoughts on this. Um, maybe the second biggest decision that Chris Drew had to make this off season is what to do with Alexis Lafreniere. If they extend him, bridge him, long-term him, trade him, it's been a weird, strange ride for the first three years with Alexis Lafreniere. Where is he in the model now? Who is he compared to for maybe a future or even current? Um, and this kind of gave me a, a feel for what his development or lack thereof has been. Yeah, no. So Lafreniere has been a really strange case because when he was drafted, like he looked like a obvious first overall pick which is where he was taken like i didn't have any issue you know with him being a first overall pick there wasn't any you know there were some really good players in that 2020 draft but like he fit the part i mean he was he was an older prospect but his production has always been incredibly high even in the queue which is hard to have really like a really high equivalency in the queue you have to produce at such a level that is basically extraordinary which he did and you look at the players that you know, in the model, there's only probably maybe 15 of them that kind of look like that when they're drafted. And they're like, most of them are all like amazing, like Matthew Kachuk and 
you know, Marion Gabarik and Alex Debrinkat and Vincent Damfus and Stamkos, you know, there's very few guys that look like Taylor Hall, another one, like very few guys that look like this and then especially are drafted, you know, in that top three or top overall variety that don't hit big. And then, you know, he goes to the NHL right away and he, he just, you know, I don't know if it's a development thing or how he's being used um, or what it is, but like normally you might see, you know, in their first year, they'll take a little bit of a step back like Stamkos did um, when he first kind of came in. You know, um, Kachuk, when he came in, was pretty good, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't what he is now. But he was a solid player. Like, I think he put up 40 points or something. And so that was pretty normal that he had kind of this fallback year like that. But then after that, he just he just kind of stayed status quo. He didn't take the big jumps like you saw from previous, you know, first overall or top three picks that look like that came in the NHL right away. Like... Stamp Coast takes off in his second year. And then, you know, Thornton's kind of a, a similar, can see that from Lafreniere. And he just kind of plateaued and he always stayed at that sort of, you know, mediocre production for, for a, a guy kind of fresh in the NHL like that. So, yeah, the outlook is probably not great. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure he's going to work out to what everybody thought he would be, like this you know, 70, 80 point winger. That's sort of a driving force. So yeah, that's not, I mean, I was looking at the comparable mental comparable tool and what shoots out. And basically the only real comparable it gives you for Lafreniere, because like I said, most players that look like that, they turn into these big stars and they have these big jumps in production. So the only one that comes out is a guy like Pierre-Marc Bouchard, who kind of had, you know, he was very injury riddled, but he had like a very, average career and he looked like he was going to be outstanding but you know he i think he only played like 300 maybe 400 games you know kind of like a 40 50 point guy that could be i'm hoping that there's a little bit more with lafreniere but that could be kind of what you're looking at instead of getting like that point per game guy everybody thought he would be you know in his prime maybe he's more like a 40 or 50 point guy maybe maybe it's he kind of works out similar to or a little bit better than a situation like Sam Bennett, you know, Bennett, we, I, I thought he was going to be fantastic. Everybody thought he was going to be great. And then he makes the NHL and he kind of did the same thing where he just never really reached that next level. And, you know, now that he's in his late twenties and he's changed sceneries, he's a good player, but he's not like a, he's not a star. He's not even close to a star. He's an impactful player that puts up 40 to 50 points a year that might be what you have with Lafreniere, unfortunately. So in terms of what you should do for a contract, I would, I would probably bridge him and get him for cheap and hope that, you know, the next coach can, can bring him back to what he was when he was drafted or something close to. And then, you know, if that costs you in a couple of years and you end up paying him, you know, eight years at, 8 million plus or something, I'd probably run that risk and sign him to, yeah, like a two or three bridge bridge deal myself, just based on what's happened and, and what he's looking like so far. Yeah. I think that's where the direction are going. Kind of like Kako last year, got the two year, $2 million deal. I, I can't see them doing more, more than that for him. Uh, just based off their development, the Rangers need those two guys to hopefully Peter Laviolette somehow unlock something, the two of them, they can turn it around because uh, like I said, with this cap crunch, they're going to have young guys like Othman maybe in the lineup 
and Zach Jones in the lineup because they're going to have to, uh, you know, these big contracts with Panarin and Truba and Zabanjad are now catching up to them a little bit. Yeah, and Fox. Yeah, so they, they're top-heavy with some big contracts. So, yeah, I agree that they're going to need some some big outputs from from the young guys. So The crazy thing about Fox is that when you actually look at his deal, I think the Athletics the one who has it where they have, like, the value of the deal – and they are the contract and the value of what the deal yeah. will be today. He's like $4 million under value. Like whatever. Oh, yeah. like, it's crazy. What his value is. He's such a good player. Yeah. Um, I'm forever bummed about that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Calgary. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. man. I, I don't know what's worse. Calgary or Carolina. I, I, I don't know who I think Carolina might be the worst part of that deal. Oh no, definitely Calgary. You think they Calgary? Yeah. They drafted but... him and then. He, he wouldn't sign and then you lose like you know a guy who's probably going to win multiple norrises and he goes and he goes and plays for his hometown team like that never happens except to calgary but who they, i thought they traded someone i thought they got someone back in that trade for him well that was part of the dougie, the hamilton, dougie hamilton yeah lindholm deal yeah they got yeah. some good players back there but still, carolina like, got a second round pick that was it i mean you got some good players back i think they got two second rounders yeah i mean both teams got hosed and the Rangers made up like <laughs> bandits, but, but uh, yeah, that one, that one stings deep. Just how, and like, I remember I wrote an, I wrote an article on the athletic, just again, looking at all this stuff I look at and the equivalencies and stuff. And I was looking at D men that have an equivalency like that high in their, basically their post draft gear and what they look like. And basically all of them like turned into like really good players. Most of them turned into stars. So I wrote this article about, Fox, like when he, you know, he had no idea he was going to leave and go somewhere else. And he looked so good. And I was, you know, sitting on that hope for years. And then he walks away and then, you know, he, he goes to the Rangers and he's like way better than even I thought he would be. I mean, I thought he was going to be amazing, but like how good he is, like all around at everything. Like, oh, he's, he's so good. I was devastating. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sorry about that one. That, that is tough. That is tough. I'm sure he's a yeah. star now, right? On your on your model, I'm sure he's just now a star producer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like superstar. Like he's one of the highest producing defensemen of the past thirty years. Like, and the impacts. I mean, he's, you know, he produces like Eric Carlson and Quinn Hughes, but he also has the incredible impacts. Like, it's just the hits keep coming, you know. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us again this year. And uh, make sure you're following, following Byron on Twitter. It's it's Byron M, right? Is that Byron M. Bader? Yep. yep. So make sure you go follow him. I'm sure you'll be doing the ad and draft night. You'll be going pick by pick, posting your stuff on there. So make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Make sure you go check out his website and uh, just great analysis and info. And I cannot thank you enough for always coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, thank you so much for Byron coming on again. Second year in a row, fantastic job. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. He'll be posting uh, after every pick his graphs and everything and how the player can turn out, some comparisons uh, for people to look at. So make sure you go check out his stuff. He does incredible stuff over there, hockeyprospecting.com. Uh, so just a great job, and I really appreciate them both uh, taking the time to come on and joining me. And, uh, you know, obviously – in draft season, they're both very in demand, so I really appreciate them again coming on. And that does it for episode 138 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show on all social media. You can find us on Twitter, at Broadway Hat Pod. You can find my personal Twitter account, at KHALNY. 
Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Purple Hat Podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review there. Every five-star review this show does receive a dollar is donated to Alex's Lemonade Foundation. So please go on there and help an amazing cause fight, fight pediatric cancer. It takes one moment of your day to do that. Make sure you go subscribe to the show on Spotify as well. Leave us a five-star review there. You can find the show on Google Play, Amazon Music, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. And thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the draft, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.